Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Martin. Very pissed off, Jason Martin. Word. Uh, we're recording. Not even into game six yet. No, um, there's still ten minutes left in game six. We just after the... I don't know who scored a fourth goal. I it put, doesn't matter. I put my head down and left. Anyway, um, we're going to recap the rest of the Blues series because I don't think they're going to come back. No. Four I, to one. That's about ten minutes left. Yeah. It, uh, it's so that, that team... You can look at the you can look and that team doesn't care anymore. Well, They're checked out. We're gonna be those guys today. So whatever people want to say about you know maniac blues fans or whatever, guess what? That's how it's gonna be today. Because and, and and sidebar, this is not gonna be a podcast for the kiddies. Yeah, so, so I'm gonna do my uh, best. I was gonna do my best to edit it, but you know what? Um, yeah, it's, it's gonna, gonna get take, heated. It's gonna take too much for me to edit this. So um, I am still going to. Uh, Go first of all, and, let's, go back and I'm too much for me to do that. Anyway, let's go back and go through the whole series first till we catch up to current time. Yep, and let's also apologize. We had originally wanted to record uh, between games four and five, and uh, our schedules, both Jason and mine, just got crazy. Stupid crazy. Between me being in a wedding, well, actually, we wanted to record after game two, uh, and me being in a wedding last weekend, and everything happened this week. Mm-hmm. This is literally the first time we've had a chance to sit down. Uh, and watch a game that wasn't, you know, on a work night, and be able to uh, sit down and record. And it just so happens that it's, you know, going to be the late. last game of the year. Yeah, so we apologize for that. Just unfortunately, it's just kind of a perfect storm happened. Of the night you were free, I wasn't free. And the night I was free, you weren't free. So yep. it just happens. So uh, thanks for sticking with us. So uh, let's go into the series of events that was the St. Louis Blues Blackhawks series. So as you as a Blues fan, probably know that the Blues lost six straight going to the uh, playoffs. So basically costing them the Central by a point. Um, by a tiebreaker, correct? No, you're right. You're right. Point, Colorado yeah. did get a – they lost in overtime. So we did lose the division by a point, which yeah. dropped us to second, which gave us the good old Chicago Blackhawks. And I admit I was one of those guys who said, you know, you're going to have to face these guys eventually. So maybe it's a good test where you do it in the first round. And, uh, and maybe it's kind of like a prove – like. Hey, we're here to hang with the big boys. Which... Well, and that's the truth. And, you know, I think we all tried to put as positive of a spin on it uh, as you can. Um, you know, we had a good record against the Chicago Blackhawks this year. And truth be told, aside from game five of the playoffs, Chicago hadn't won a game all year in St. Louis. So having a home ice advantage was going to be something that was huge, especially in a series like this. Um, I'd, ideally, of course, I think any of us would have loved to have had Minnesota or or even Dallas in the first round and not Chicago because as we've learned in the past few years it is never easy to take out a defending champ yep. it's just not I don't care if they're an eight seed or a two seed or whatever it's not easy yeah so due to that the Blues get the virtue of facing the Blackhawks in the first round so in the first game was on. Thursday. Thursday. Thursday the 17th. Which you got to go to. I did. Uh, I would say... So give us a little perspective of uh, kind of how uh, the atmosphere was. The atmosphere was really, really great. Um, there was obviously a bit of nervousness in the air just because of the way the team had, had played coming into the playoffs. Um, we got everybody back except for Oshie and Berglund. 
Yes. Uh, and I don't think that anyone really thought – like, I was amazed that Tarasenko was playing. I, I truly was. I think a lot of people were, since um, he was about two weeks ahead of schedule, compared but to what they originally projected. I'll tell you, man, uh, when the Blues got the first goal, you could, number one, feel the crowd really get into it and just feel that sigh of relief like, okay, it's going to be okay. Um, you know, it was a very, very high-scoring period. And I remember uh, we were sitting right behind the goal that Miller defended twice. Okay. And when Miller gave up the breakaway goal to Kane, which was the third goal of the period, you could start to feel the crowd turn on Miller, which I thought was very unfair. Um, but I, you could start to feel this, oh, God, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Um the second period was just a lot of hitting. The third period, much the same. Uh, they tie the game with less than two minutes left. It's on the far side for me. And then beca- then came the marathon of me feeling like I was going to throw up for the next two hours. Yeah. Um, it was great, though. Like it was, it was playoff atmosphere. And the longer that game went on, what I what I noticed that I liked was as that game turned into double overtime and double overtime kept going, the Blues got stronger and the Hawks looked tired. And that is what I expected this series to be. I really expected this whole series to be a long drug out fight where the longer it went, St. Louis would get stronger. And it paid off, at least in game one, with uh, with Steen with a tremendous pass from Steve Ott to set him up, uh, scoring the goal a little over two minutes into the triple overtime, and um, yeah, dude, it was uh, it was great. It was everything you'd want from a hockey game. I think that and the '93 game against Chicago when we swept him uh, are both probably tied now for the best hockey game I've ever been witness to in person. Yep. So let's do it as a quick uh, recap. Just to go through everything that kind of uh, happened that game. Um, unfortunately. Cracknell with a just crazy goal to open it up. And Cracknell was in front for the first goal. And then after that, it was a little bit of a kind of went the other way, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember because just there's the computer working. So that happened. Cracknell gets the uh, goal at 440. The system lop here in Porter. Basically, it's kind of scramble in front. Yeah. Fourth, Which again, yeah. a, a, as we will talk about as we as we progress through this series, was the type of goal the Blues needed all series long. Yep. Don't look for the pretty shot; just get people in front and knock in rebounds. Yep. So at the eleven fourteen mark of the first period, uh, Johnny Oduya with his first of the playoffs, which was a tip in goal from uh, Brandon Sod and Jonathan Taves. Uh, then after that, a couple minutes later on the power play, Brent Seabrook. I have a new hatred for that man. Uh, this is from Chris Versteeg and Nick Letty. Versteeg basically had the puck and just basically did like the skate backwards almost the whole length of the uh, yep. boards on yeah. behind the net and then put on the power play. Seabrook moved in with a quick shot that beat Miller. Uh, after that, um, Vladimir Tarasenko with a very pretty goal with a good setup by uh, Kevin Shattenkirk and uh, Barrett Jackman. Yep. Uh, Beautiful goal right in the slot. Yep. That was about a minute later, so Blues tied it 2-2. Two two. And then uh, Patrick Kane with a breakaway goal with a kind of a T.J. Oshie-esque kind of thing that happened with Roberto Longo where 
Yeah, Miller, Miller just stood there. It, it looked like Miller was getting ready to poke check, and then at the last minute, second thought, yeah. and then the shot was away because he didn't make a move at all yeah. on on Kane. He just stood there. So that was an assist from Taves and Seabrook on a, a 18-24 mark for a breakaway goal. Yep. So in uh, second period, there was nothing happening. So Blackhawks going up 3-2, to two, going into the third period. And then the hero, Jaden Schwartz, gets a backhanded goal uh, at the 18-15 mark from uh, Derek Roy. And a 3-3 tie going to overtime. First overtime, uh, nothing really happening. Um, a second overtime, I believe it was a second overtime where he stopped sharp on a breakaway. Yes. Um, had a couple of other good saves. Uh, same way for Crawford, had a couple yep. of decent saves. I think basically it was trading punches. It was it was very... The second overtime, the first overtime was very much feeling each other out. It seemed like yeah. the first period again, but without the scoring. And the second overtime, definitely, you could tell, uh, with the short switches between the benches back to like the first and third period style, yeah. um, the teams were taking more chances, uh, and it showed, because there was quite a bit more action on goal. And their hero, Alexander Steen, at the 26-second mark, with an assist from Steve Ott and David Backus. Basically, the puck was dumped in. Uh, Backus there to cycle it over to Ott, who was virtually in the front of the net, off to the, maybe off to the side a little yeah, bit. Yeah, pretty much right on front, right in front of, of the goal. With your, your normal reaction would be to just jam away at that thing. Yeah. Which, that would, I'm not, to be honest, that would be my reaction. Uh, he just waited, saw maybe for a half second that Steen was right behind him, threw a nice little pass to Steen. Goal, Blues win. So, uh, started off good for the Blues. Nice, uh, I think that was a confidence booster for them. So, the Blues move on to... Uh, Game two at home again. Easter so, Sunday. Easter Sunday. Big. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Saturday. 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 Because you had your wedding that day. Yep. So uh, another kind of a crazy game. Chris Porter with the opening goal at the 7.08 mark. A, a great goal, though. Yeah. I mean, had talk about a crazy side. angle. Yep. Yeah. A short side goal um, off kind of a. But the Blues had pressure going at that time and then just was yep. able to uh, pot that in, which it was really surprising for him to get that because it looked like he was just kind of throwing towards the net and then just. Find probably the littlest of space, which helped out. Then after a massive scramble near the end of the period with uh, Crawford out of position, Kevin Shattenkirk gets a shot from the point. Assist from J- by Jaden Schwartz and Vladimir Saboka at the 1958 mark. So Blues, 2 nothing going into the second period. Looking good. Looking fantastic. So Maybe the best period of hockey they played all all series. Yeah. Uh, and then in the second period, Duncan Keith gets a uh, goal from Chris Versteeg and Brent Seabrook at the 1725 mark. So... Giving Chicago a little life going into the third period, and then Brent Seabrook off a slap shot from, uh, assist from Brandon Saad and Johnny Oduya. Uh, basically, the puck was along the right-hand boards. He has pretty much turned around, slapped it, and it hit off of uh, maybe Roman Polak's stick and changed direction on uh, just enough for Ryan Miller to miss it. Yep. And then about two minutes later, Michael Roosevelt with a goal, his first of the series from Brandon Saad, it was about the 638 mark. Uh, basically, a shot that was going pretty much well wide. It hit uh, David Bax's hand. Yeah. And in. then came back and then just barely snuck in the net right by Ryan Miller. So, just like that, we're losing 3-2. to two. So, Blues uh, stunned at the uh, Scott Treasure fan, uh, fans at Scott Treasure. Stunned. Yep. I was at home. I know a lot of fans were nervous. But, uh, Luckily, the Blues got a power play at the end of the game due to a dirty-ass hit from Brent Seabrook. Well, they actually ended up with a 5-on-3, did they not? It wanted to be a 5-on-3 for a very short time. Right. Um, those are, I believe, um, let me go down here. Like, was it the, there was the kneeing call. Oh, yeah, it was Brent Seabrook, oh, excuse me, it was Brian Bickle with a kneeing call on Vladimir oh, Saboka, which, which was dirty as hell. Right, and then, the like, game. a minute later, 
was the Seabrook during hit the power on play. Bacchus. Yeah, during the power play. Which was a five-minute major. We For obviously, charging. at this point, we all know it's it's going to be the thing that's talked about most out of this entire playoff series yep. is Seabrook's hit on Bacchus, which put him out for two games. Because you can argue that's probably changed the course of oh, for sure. the game for of sure. the whole series. Even though, foreshadowing, the Blues took this game, I think it basically... Well, and that's what I think is interesting is Chicago had this game won. Mm-hmm. And those two penalties, uh, they basically just handed the game to St. Louis. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. And Chicago is not a really heavy-hitting team. Maybe Bickle, you can get Arden Shaw, you can say after two after that, they don't have anybody that hits. Yep. And Seabrook. Seabrook's been on the other side of a couple of like big hits. Like the Rafi that was a host of a Rafi Torres hit. Yep. And then I believe it was James Wisniewski got suspended eight games, which I thought a hit that was just the same as I agree. But I think Wisniewski had a prior history, which is the only thing. And that's the big difference is, you know, I don't think anyone's gonna call Brett Seabrook a dirty player. It was a dirty hit. Yeah. But he's not a Matt Cook type of player. Which was my yeah, that was my argument when a lot of things on Twitter, people, a lot of Chicago fans were saying that he should only get like a game or like a fine because he has never been a dirty not player. When it, not when you have a hit like that. But when you're when you, I'll flat out call it out. It was a head hunting. Yeah, you targeted the head. Make that uh, excuse me, Blues fans, five to one. Oh, good. So with a uh, Duncan Keith with another goal now. So it's a uh, yeah, that's over. So and that was at with three minutes left. So. A little, little live going on in this one. So, anyway, so um, where was I? At? Actually, positive stuff. No, no. Mm. Um, uh, but, so, well, anyway, Seabrook's hit. I just thought you saw from one angle. It just. I mean, as soon as his back hit the ice, he was out. Oh yeah, he was out cold. He was out cold, and he was punch drunk. Good up trying to go after anybody. Yeah. Um, like I said, the hit I didn't like. The thing that made me my blood boil the worst was suppo- supposedly we don't know who it is. Well, it's, we know it's one of two people. It's either Duncan Keith or Jonathan Taves are telling Bacchus, as you can hear audibly, say, wakey, wakey, to yeah. Bacchus, which is just as just as bad as the hit, in my oh, opinion. It's, it's just taunting a defenseless player, a player who's been knocked silly. Yeah. Um, well, how would you guys react if, they, if after uh, if somebody from Columbus went over to you, uh, Brent Seabrook, and said that to Seabrook? Yeah. Like well, everybody would be pissed in Chicago to the point where they're class uh, Chicago. By the way, keep it classy, making a uh, wakey wakey backus shirt. Yeah, but remember, this is the same fan base that last year when they were playing Boston in the finals uh, mocked the Boston Strong uh, slogan that came out of the Boston Marathon bombings and made shirts that said Chicago Stronger. Yeah, so it, it's not unheard of for the Chicago dipshits to uh, to come up and and show you know. Exactly what they're made of. But, you know, back to this game, too. um, It was a dirty hit. It just was. Now, the short-term effect of that is it it helped us win game two. You know, we go on a 5-on-3 power play, which turns into a 5-on-4. Tarasenko scores with six six seconds left. Yep. Um, And then Jackman scores the game winner in overtime. Yep, about 550 in overtime from Polak and Saboka. Blues win 4-3. But, we're up 2-0. But there's bigger. Like I said, it, that was great. But immediately, as soon as I was happy that we scored the goal, immediately I said, hmm, there now, what's up with Bacchus? Well, and that was the key. you know. And, and I remember watching uh, the pregame for game three. And because of the day, the, the night after and the day off, 
No one said anything about Bacchus. No one said what the injury was, what it wasn't, how bad he was, nothing. And then, you know, there was that shot that NBC Sports showed at like 5 o'clock in the afternoon of the team arriving at the game, and Bacchus is getting off the bus. So my first thought is, okay, he flew up there, so it's not a concussion. Yeah, or at least not diagnosed yet. I mean, I figured they probably would have by now. Um, You know, when he didn't play in Game 3, it... It didn't shock me. I was a little bummed. I thought for sure if they had him fly up, he was going to be there. Um, but I really thought, in my mind, I'm sorry for yawning. Um, in my mind, what I thought was going to happen is they were going to roll the dice in game three and see what they could do without us having Bacchus, without Chicago having Seabrook. And dependent on what the outcome of game three was, was going to determine if Bacchus played game four. And just a quick live tweet. That is the final five to one final. Blues are eliminated, eliminated, and four to two. So as of right now, Buffalo does not get our first round pick. Correct, unless we resign Miller before the draft. Correct. Um, what do you say? It's it, it it's disappointing. Mm. It is. Um, you know, let, let's recap the, the last four games it, 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 briefly as we need to. Game three, um, Miller lets it a soft goal. Yep. By Jonathan Taves. And that's it. The 410 mark. That pretty much was it. Um, and that's it. Because, I mean, the empty net goal, fuck count. it. It's, it's a one goal game. But uh, the Blues uh, played good. That was the one game where you know, you'll go with the steal one and Crawford stole one for him. Absolutely. And that's one of those games where, and I think you and I both said it, like, if I have to be all right with a loss, a loss like that is it. Because the Blues played fantastic. Yep. And and Miller played good. You know, he made tons of saves in that game that kept it a one-goal game. It's just shitty that that game has to end or, or be determined by a soft goal like that, which it's a bummer. And, again, it brought out all the Ryan Miller truthers yeah which is something else we'll talk about later online you know game now we move to game four uh again no david backus which that surprised me i really thought that if we lost game three we would dress backus for game four yeah i think that's and pretty much it was put out there that he was expected to play by uh rutherford another another numerous amount of like pretty credible yeah like uh media that they fully they fully expect him to play. They're not confirming it, which they, you know, they put that on there just to make sure to cover themselves. But Correct. they said that they had a the good feeling that he would be playing. Due well, to like why whatever. else do you make the trip? Yeah. So, you know, you go to game four, and I think of all of the games, game one and game four seemed the most similar to me. Mm. They were just heavyweight boxing matches. You know, Chicago scores. Chicago goes up by two. Um, the Blues are looking tired, but find a way. Thank God for, for Tarasenko, scores on the power play and gives this team some life. Mm-hmm. And then about a minute and a half later, Reyes the period's winding down. Steve Ott throws a pass to, to LaPierre. LaPierre, who just whips it in off the post, and we go into the second period tied after two, tied. After pretty much getting outplayed for the first forty minutes, oh um, well, for that period, the first like probably like sixteen minutes, and then we got two goals in less than a minute. 
a little over a minute, so that worked out. Uh, the Blues get another goal back. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko with a uh, nice shot on the uh, two-on-one right above Crawford's yep. glove. Puts the Blues ahead 3-2 to two with uh, seven minutes left. So looking uh, good. The Blues were actually had a lot of momentum this period, too, which, which made it look good. Unfortunately, um, Brian Bickle ties it with a tip-in goal from Michael Roosevelt and Marion Hossa at the 16:08 mark. So three to three going into overtime. Um, I think it was very back and forth in this one. I think the Blues had some good chances. Um, I think uh, Chicago had some chances, and then Patrick Kane, uh, Shat- Kevin Shattenkirk, he is pretty good. So it'd be a good idea to maybe get a stick. Maybe on not him. keep backing up. So. He, uh, Comes in on no, well, I don't think it was even an odd man chance. I think it was no, it wasn't like a it two was on just, two or three on. Three yeah, it was. Like it was uh, if you if memory serves, um, Kane and whoever was in with him on the two on two crossed at the blue line. Yeah, um, which but he had plenty of time to recover. Not like he just had to, like catch. No, up no, not at all. Point. Yeah, um, you know he he puts it over Miller's uh, shoulder. The Hawks win three to two. We go back to St. Louis. I'm sorry, the Hawks win 4-3. We go back to St. Louis tied two games to two. Uh, at this point, what happens is every St. Louis fan starts talking about what became even crazier as this series progressed is the similarities between this series and last year's first-round series with L.A. And it got crazy after you said crazier this game. <coughs> it uh, got – the similarities became obscene. But, you know, the the short term was you now have a series that you hold serve on home ice. And you're good. And you're great. You're, you're up 2-0, and you go to your opponent's barn and can't, a steal one. can't get it done. Yeah, which I – which am, when I did we did our predictions, as you remember – I was figuring that'd be the game three we'd lose. That kind of like mark that is. I I did. I too. was hoping for a split. If they got if they got split, I'd like the Blues are good and they can get it. In I six. did too. I what I figured was going to happen was I figured if there was any game that Chicago was going to win at home, it would be game three. It's your first playoff game at home. The crowd's pumped. It's your first chance to play as defending Stanley Cup champions at home. You know whether some athletes will admit to it, some won't. I. I'm a firm believer in the fact that the crowd does matter, and the crowd matters in a good way for the home team and a bad way for the away team. Yep. I figured that Chicago would take game three, but that the Blues would, would bounce back and take game four, and that didn't happen. So uh, basically, uh, Hosa scores in the first from Bickle and Yalmerson. Oshi gets a nice, very nice backhand goal at the 11, 11, uh, 04 mark from Steen and Jackman. Jackman having a lot of points for a guy who doesn't get many points. Yeah, that's his third point of the uh, playoff so far. Yeah, that that goal by Oshi in Game Five was maybe, I think, aside from the goal he scored against Tampa Bay late in the season, maybe the prettiest goal he scored all year. Mm-hmm. Ben Smith gets on the board, and that's true. They have advanced. Uh, ben Smith gets the seven at the goal at seventeen ten as first of the series from Sheldon Brookbank, Patrick Kane. Uh, the Blues, I did not see this goal because we were at a friend's house watching uh, the game. and they were actually The watching goal the was fantastic. Game. So we saw it on replay about a, maybe 30 seconds after it happened. A very nice goal from Petrangelo, which basically had a, a similar 2-on-1 earlier in the in game. In the first period. And didn't bury it. This time he does not He does bury it. The 142 mark uh, is first of the series from Jaden Schwartz. So the Blues, 2-2 going to the third. 
looking eerily similar to what happened last year. Yep. And then this and we happens. go to overtime. And again, you know, there's two games in this series that don't go to overtime. Yep. You know, there's – and really, I don't, I don't count game three uh, because the second goal is an empty netter. Only one of these games was not a one-goal game. Yep. So, I mean, it could have, the series could have ended like people thought ended in four. Dude, it, this game could have been 4-0 Blues. Mm-hmm. It could have been 4-0 Hawks. Yep. It really could have been. Just the first bounces. five games of this series were that close. Yep, until today. Yeah. So Anyway, Jonathan Taves gets pretty much the – just you know that you're just a team that – gets bounces when the stuff yeah. happens like what happened on this play. The Blues are get, are in the chocolate and they're scrambling. And the Blues are getting a lot of opportunities. Puck gets loose. Duncan Keith looks to just throw it down the ice. Jonathan Taze is making a change as this is happening. Or And uh, basically the puck hits Andrew Shaw's knee slash shin pad at the blue line and changes the direction that it gives perfectly to Jonathan Taves for a breakaway. It wouldn't have happened that way. Roman Polak did a probably not the smartest change then too, which yep. basically caused Taves to have a breakaway and full breakaway, and it barely gets it by Ryan Miller's outstretched legs. So Andrew Shaw and Duncan Keith get the assist, and the Blues are now down for the first time in the series. Three games, three to games two. to two, going into the game that is being played just finished getting played on Sunday, the twenty seventh of April, and yep. final is. Five to one, Chicago. So the Blues are eliminated. So uh, pretty much the Blues uh, back and forth fight didn't start off that good in the first in this game. Uh, well, I think the first three minutes the Blues had some decent shots and some decent pressure, um, but didn't put anything in the net. And then you know the last ten minutes following that, it was all Chicago. Uh, you saw Chicago do what they had done all all series which escaped circles around the Blues. And that became the big glaring difference between these two teams to me was the fact that Chicago is just faster. Um, you know, we can out-hit them. We can, we can out-play them at times. But that team is just a faster team. And it was something that, you know, came back to, to bite us in the ass in the first period of Game 6 when, uh, again, we fail to clear the puck, which is another problem that happened all series long. And uh, Jonathan Taze skates out from the corner right into the middle of the ice and puts one by Ryan Miller, and it's one nothing Chicago five minutes into the game. So not looking good. Um, but luckily, coming back, and uh, Steen with some pressure behind the net, throws it in front, and T.G. buries it. and Has hurt. no idea he did it. Because he sat there and like actually took it out of swat at Crawford, and then he's like, and he actually, if you look, look at the replay when I was looking at it, he actually said, so is it good? I guess he, he, guess he thought it yeah. like, didn't go in. Well, if you look, there was the one shot. They showed four replays. That puck hit so hard off the back iron that it came right back underneath Crawford. Um, because three of the shots that they showed in the replay, I didn't even see the puck go in. And it wasn't until the one where you see it go through uh, uh, Crawford's five hole between the pads and then come right back. Uh, underneath his pads that he realized it was a good goal. Yep. So so we're tied 1-1 after 1. Second period, um, pretty much controlled by the Blues with because uh, due to the ton of uh, power plays oh, they dude. had. The Blues had a great second period. Uh, wind up being 0-6 on the power plays after that. Yep. Um, 
Didn't look good. For, and then at the end of the period, uh, Jay Mobinster takes a holding penalty. Yep. Blues are out shooting at the time, 27-10, to 10, going into the third period. One of the greatest things I read on Twitter, and I believe it was Rutherford who said it today, was uh, Blues were outplayed at, during the first, were lucky to get out of the period tied 1-1. Blackhawks were massively outplayed in the second, lucky to get out of the period 1-1. Um, so we now go to the third period of game six. We're tied one to one. It is the most important 20 minutes of hockey for the St. Louis blues all season through training camp, preseason, regular season, the first five games of these playoffs and the first 40 minutes of game six, you now have 20 minutes on the clock. To decide, are you going home for game seven? Or are you going home to fucking play golf? And it looks like the Blues made tea times yesterday. So, Yep. The first shot of the period is a power play goal by the Chicago Almost Blackhawks. cleared. Almost, well, as, once again, as you just alluded to, almost cleared by the Blues. Uh, Puck was barely kept in by Duncan Keith on the blue line. Basically threw a pass across to Taves, who deked out... Um, believe it was Jackman or somebody on the uh, left side of Miller waited, waited and put a shot on the top corner by Miller with a little traffic in front. But yeah. So after that, it's uh, two to one. And then the floodgates open. Um, then on the breakaway, Shattenkirk cannot keep it with Patrick Sharp, who has been pretty much a non-factor yep. this uh, series and high sticks him pretty good, but it doesn't matter. But the puck rolls and Ryan Miller forgets that the puck still is live. N- not really, but I mean, I'm being sarcastic, but basically the puck goes between his arm and his yeah. uh, body. Basically out Shattenkirk and- high sticks sharp into Miller and the puck goes by Miller off the post and in three to one Blackhawks. Um, so we go from a tie game to less than three minutes later. Yep, under three. Two it minutes. is now two oh one. Mark was on the sharp three goal. to one Chicago. And then Andrew Shaw at the tipping goal from Duncan Keith and Michael Roosevelt. And then uh, uh, Duncan Keith at the goal from Andrew Shaw, and Marcus Kruger at the seven thirty and seventeen oh five mark to make it a final five to one. And the Blues are eliminated in the six games. And uh, now the questions start. Well, let's let's address the the weirdness of this series right now, and that is the very odd, almost Lincoln Lincoln and Kennedy comparisons. Yeah, we've all seen those. Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy. Kennedy had a secretary named Lincoln. Um, by now, I'm assuming most Blues fans have seen the fact sheet that. Um, last season's playoff series against the Kings and this season's playoff series against the Blackhawks were eerily similar up until today's game. Um, Steen with an overtime winner in game one, Jackman with the game winner in game two. The only difference being last year was an over, it was in regulation. This year it was an overtime. The Blues get shut out in game three. The Blues blow a 3-2 lead late in Game 4 to lose 4-3 in overtime. Um, Petrangelo scores his first goal of the playoffs, assisted by Schwartz to tie Game 5, but the Blues lose 4-3. Uh, or, I'm sorry, 3-2. Yep. 
Uh, and then game six, the only difference was last year, the Blues lost two to one. Today, they got their asses handed to them five to one. So you can make an argument that, you know, obviously today broke the streak, but not the way we wanted it to. Correct. So, uh, yeah, really odd. Um, um, but at the same time, um, I don't fucking care. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I'm just, I'm I don't, I don't one. care. The, the bottom line is this. Um, this team was built to win a Stanley Cup. And at, we, and as we said all year, failed fucking miserably. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, as we alluded to before, the, basically this team is not made. Was the regular season meant nothing? Nothing. Like we did, it was just like a seeding thing. Absolutely. Um, and don't be wrong. I preferred for us to in the first round. I would love to play Minnesota in the first round. Sure. Um, I think that would have a nice little warm up. Yep. I think we would have. I think it would have competitive still. I said if I if I had to predict that series, if we just say that happened, I would have said, said losing six. six. Okay, yeah. so we were like you know. So I said I thought we would lose a couple. They do have talent on Minnesota, but we just match up better against them. That's just how it is. Um, it's time for uh, time to shake up the core. I'm gonna be that guy. Uh, no, you're not wrong. There is. I'm just I'm I'm just fed you know, up with this. The, nerves nerves are raw right now. Yeah. I mean, you and I are both very very passionate Blues fans. Um. Uh, I hate being the guy who calls for people's heads. Um, and I am by no means, please don't mistake this, I am not saying that Ken Hitchcock needs to go. Because I think Ken Hitchcock has done amazing things with this team. Yep. But there is something not clicking when it comes to playoff hockey with this team. And it's the same fucking mistakes every game. You know, by game five, you would think that somebody in the Blues coaching staff or somebody within the Blues locker room would have said, hey, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Chicago is looking for that cherry-picking stretch pass every time. And which it probably every happened, time. happened, let's say, let's just say. Something. I can count four goals right now off of mm-hmm. it. The Kane goal in game one, Taze's game winner, Taze's uh, goal in Game Three. While while it wasn't a breakaway, it was a stretch pass, and I, yep. I again it was a one on three. There was no reason it should have scored, but it scored. Yep. And, I, and there's another one I can't remember who it was, and I think sharp. it was a, yeah sharp. So they're right there. There's four goals. Mm-hmm. There's four, and then two saves like the sharp save and another save. So the your, your percentage is not good there. Basically, um, four out of six is not you know, good. Those mistakes happen all the time. Number two. What the hell is wrong with the St. Louis Blues power play? Mm-hmm. Uh, going, I don't have the, let me pull it. it. Would, I'm pull two it for 22 play. entering the game and yeah. 0 for 6 today. That makes you 2 for 28. Uh, the Blues shooting percentage on the power play during the season was at 14.9%. Can you take a guess on what it is in the playoffs? Oh, dude. Shooting it, percentage, mind shooting you. Shooting percentage? Correct. I have that stat in front of me. That's the only reason I gave it to you. I'm going to go high and say 10%. Oh, you're uh, way high. 3.1%. Yeah. I, dude, it's it, – it, I, I don't know how a team expects to, to score goals on the power play when you just pass the puck between the points. Yeah, they're very good. If they had got points for passing it between the – and cycling up top – the Blues would have won by 10 goals. If, every this, if this power play was fucking average, average, we would be right now sitting, sipping iced tea, waiting for the winner of the Colorado-Minnesota series. 
Yep. We would have won in five or maybe even four if we had an even average power play. I don't know who's in charge of the power play for the Blues, but that dude needs to pack his shit and get out of town because it's fucking anemic. I just want to read something to you real quick. I'm just kind of doing two things. Go ahead. So your boy, Frank Cusimano. Oh, I love him. uh, Just tweeted out, um, that goal may have sealed the deal for Jake Allen being the starting goal in here next year. You're fucking high. Okay. Just I just want to make sure you know that. Even Even if they don't. Even if they don't sign Ryan Miller, and we'll get to Ryan Miller in a minute because all the people who want to lay this series loss at Ryan Miller's feet can come fucking talk to me. But um, our power play is so predictable and lame and anemic that it's fucking laughable. When all you do is pass and cycle up top and fake a slap shot, guess what, dickheads? No one's going to fall for the fake when you never fucking shoot. If you don't shoot, they're not going to back off because they know that all you're going to do is fake it and pass it to the guy next to you. We never had anyone in front of the net on the power play. Our spacing was bullshit. It was like watching little kid peewee hockey. How many times were there three Blues players behind the net on the power play? How does that happen? Yep. I, I have no words. I mean, that's just... I don't know. I just, I'm just like, it's more, I'm a speechless. Like, I just, it's just like, hit me so, like, the last three years, okay? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I've been a fan for a long time. But yeah. the last three years, it's just that, yeah, this feeling like for once, like here we go. Here's where we hit you. Have that team. Like I agree. Last, the last time they've had that team, I was a lot younger, and I don't think like I agree. Yeah, yeah I like the Blues, but not like hardcore this, invested. This is the first time since the whole era that yeah. I thought when we got into the playoffs, there was a legitimate chance. Like to the win Gretzky years last year, I think we really yeah had a the the year that we had Hall, McInnes, Pronger, yeah. Gretzky. Even with even the President's Trophy year, I really wasn't like. Yeah, I know. I, I agree. I, I agree. Invested in it. I agree, um, dude. I, I get what you're saying. I totally get it. And the last three years have been the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Like you see, like all the things are pointing out, like the records the Blues are breaking. Like they've. I don't uh, give a shit. You know, you know, that's what I mean. It's just like do you know. Do you know this is the highest. Regular season point total the Blues have ever gotten? Not ever. Is it ever? Yeah. I thought it was the second highest. No. They broke it by one point with the Buffalo win. Mm. And it was the last game they fucking won. Yeah. So, so let's just, uh, I know. I'm just trying to, like, rationalize and just, like, spit it out. But I'm just, there's no rationalizing. Not rationalizing, but, like, so, like, just trying to put my words out there with, like, making it trying to be coherent. It's just that. I'm tired of the disappointment, man. It's just one of those things that I just don't like. It bothers me, man. It and really it does. And it really you bothers know, me to like the point where I'm going to have the bad rest of the day today. Uh, yeah, I am too. I'm going to have a bad day tomorrow at yep. work. Yeah, dude, I, I'll tell you right Tuesday, now. probably Tuesday because I figured that'd be game seven. I'm dude, a bad day that day too. I'm not checking my Facebook page. I have tons of fans who live in, or friends who live in Chicago. Some who are legitimately Blackhawk fans and some who just like to talk shit because it's cool to like the Blackhawks right now in Chicago as we've talked yeah. many times ad nauseum. Um, here's my take on the series and why I'm frustrated. This was a very evenly matched series. Mm-hmm. You know, six 
technically four, but really five of the six games were one goal games. Yep. Four of them went into overtime. This series could have easily been a Blues win, but just like every year past, it wasn't. And I'm just tired of being that team who's so close but never takes the fucking step. Yeah, and it's been like And I know that long. it's not lack of effort. I, I know it's not. And we can sit here and we can call out everybody on the roster who played subpar, be it Patrick Berglund or, you know, Alex Steen, who I, th- I think... I, I think Jaden Schwartz doesn't look good last Dude, Jaden Schwartz, I mean... I love Jaden Schwartz. Great. I think he, be a hell of a player. he and Tarasenko were two of the most improved Blues players all season long. Correct. You saw Tarasenko continue to improve during the playoffs. You saw Jaden Schwartz do the same three things and get his ass handed to him every game. Which the thing things worked the first couple of games, which is why I did really well. And then... Uh, but I've noticed a lot of turnovers. The fight was a still ton, there, but a ton. But the turnover ratio um, was. I had to. I would like to see that. You know, I might go check out some of his courses. I think there. I think there will be changes. Um, first and foremost is I think they they try to sign Ryan Miller to a. You ain't gonna get no deal. six mil, buddy. Sorry, bud. You no, got, you blew he, that. No, I you blew that. Going out in the first round, he's not going to get that. And from the me. way it happened, like. As much as like, I don't think he was awful. I think he was average. I think he could. I think he had moments where he basically kept the, in the overtime games. I think there were saves he made that were incredible. But yet um, there was those backbreaking goals that is the reason we got him. Well, yeah, you're right. So that's that's um, my thing. It's like I might be really like one of those guys saying Ryan Miller needs to go. Yada yada yada. I, I would like to re-sign him because there's no other option out there. I do no. not. I do not feel comfortable with. Brian Elliott and Jake Allen. No, and your other. Let's be honest. Your other options are go re-sign Halak again, or go after maybe a Jonas Hiller. Here's Jonas Hiller out there, and after that, Um, uh, not Nabokov. It's only like one that are decent. It's like you don't want that. Here's the thing with Miller, and I talk about. I've talked about this with a lot of friends. I've talked about this with friends of mine who are actually Buffalo Sabres fans. Is Miller maybe one of those guys like a Curtis Joseph that does better Mm. when he's getting forty shots a night? Yeah. As opposed to 20. Just like a Halak, and he improved and went to Washington and just had like an average of 34 shots a night and had like a, I think a four and two record. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's just one of those things. Um, you know, the other thing is, it, and I know that it's easier from a goal center tam- standpoint because your job is the same no matter what the system in front of you is. Um, but there's obviously an adjustment period. Um, I, I think that Ryan Miller. Uh, is a phenomenal goaltender. I I think that the Blues fan base were sold on him being the Messiah and him being the missing piece, that all we needed to do was plug him in and we were going to win every game five to nothing. Yeah, The dude's still a goaltender, and the guy is still only as good as the team in front of him. And while there were, I can count maybe – three goals in that series that are all on him. Mm-hmm. You know, the Kane goal in game one, um, the, the Taze goal in game three, and then... Um, Could have been a goal today, and we kind of stopped. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the, uh, the sharp goal. I think the sharp yeah. goal in the breakaway. The, the guy 
made so many saves mm-hmm. to keep us in games and in some cases to keep us in games and ultimately win games yeah. that I think that gets overlooked because the team, th- this fan base is so deprived and so wanting of a championship team. And we know we have it, but dude, it's rough when you have a team who's equally as good as you that you're playing seven times a year and then you get stuck in a playoff series with. I'm not going to be the guy who defends Ryan Miller and says that he's without fault because he's 100% without fault. But or he's he 100% does have some fault in this, but it's it's the whole team. And if you want to lay this entire series at the feet of Ryan Miller, then quite honestly, please turn off this podcast now because you don't understand hockey. Yeah. Like I said, um, I don't, I'm not laying it on him. I think I was a lot. He was a part of the. He had his moments, just moments. like everyone else. That's what I mean. Like, there was other people who had really good moments, and other times where somebody can't stay on their skates when you're right in front yeah. of that TGR. I mean, you look. So you don't think Chicago was saying the same thing after the first two games with Corey Crawford giving up last-minute goals to tie games and, losing and, then, and then losing in overtime? And then he had a chance to sit down and talk with Quenville, actually, after that, where they had a little heart-to-heart. And he basically, I think Quenville pretty much, you know, not, I mean, he probably didn't, but he basically said, like, we need you if you don't, like, step up. Like, we need to. Yeah. No matter with a Rata, who was not good. At, no. I mean, if they had to go to him, man, that would have been. If you watch the replay of game two. When Tarasenko scores with six seconds left to tie the game, Corey, you can see where Corey Crawford breaks. Yeah, he just puts his because head down. Because he, he just puts his stick and his head down on the top of the goal like, oh, my God, it's happening again. Yep. At the end of, but at the end of the year, though, I mean, in the game, though, like Corey Crawford gets to move on and um, has a cup ring. So You know, the what this team needs to do um, – and I, I think this is something that I slowly realized over the course of this playoff series, is we right now are a steamroller of a team. We are not fast, but we are a boulder rolling downhill. If you let us get moving, we will roll over you, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Yeah. Um, but... We need speed. There were so many times, and there was a great analogy made today during Game 6, and I believe early in the second period when Doc Emmerich said, the Chicago Blackhawks are playing Harlem Globetrotters right now with the St. Louis Blues defense. Correct. And it's the truth. The Chicago Blackhawks were literally, not figuratively, Literally skating circles around the Blues. And that is the difference between regular season hockey and playoff hockey. Um, I don't know what the answer is. You know, there are people on this team who I think need to stay. There's people on this team that I think need to go to open up money to bring some other people in. Um, I agree. I think there's a change. I think when you say shake up the core, 
who do you consider this core to be? Because for me, when I think the core of the St. Louis Blues right now, I think David Backus. Correct. Alex Steen. Correct. TJ Oshie. Correct. Jay Bomeister. Correct. Alex Petrangelo. Correct. And I'll throw in Tarasenko and Saboka. And those are my seven. Uh, so Travis Saboka for Berglund. I'm saying Berglund because he's been here that long, and okay. I, I think he's considered. When they were brought in uh, that year, 2005, 6, 6, 6, when um, they were Oshi, Perron, and, well, Perron was here a year already, I think. Yeah. And then uh, basically Oshi and Berglund were brought in at the same time. And they became the kid line. Correct. Um, that was, I think, the start of the quote-unquote new core that was going to have to happen. Yeah. So I always considered Patrick Bergwijn as part of the core. Maybe not like a high-producing type guy, but he was brought into server role and do his thing. So as all the players you mentioned, I completely agree they need to be here. That's fine. My one going through the list right now, I think it's time for as much as – I'm a big fan of him too. I'm not trying to down the guy. Like I think it's time for Patrick Bergwijn to move on. I just think um, – <sighs> Yeah. As much as it hurts, I very good defensively. Uh, don't be wrong, but you can – I can find somebody who has a lot more speed and plays better defensively. I can go get, um, I'm looking at the UFAs right now. I can go get it like a David Leguan who can do that. And he's older and mind you hasn't played for like a winner in Nashville, but just the same as Patrick Berglund. Um, well, as you and I were saying earlier today, if you have a $3 million contract in your hand right now, who are you going to hand it to? Are you going to hand it to Patrick Berglund or are you going to hand it to Steve Ott? And I think right now you hand that contract to Steve Ott. Because uh, at the end of the day, like... And I'm not Ott convinced ha- Steve Ott stays, to be honest. Yeah, you never know. I hope he does. Sir. I, I would love him to. Yeah. I, I, I... Him and his wife. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, I remember when that trade happened, my first thought was, wow, we'll have Steve Ott as a great rental, and he's going to go back to Buffalo. But maybe not. Or, you know, somewhere else, but... Um, like you said, it could be one of those things where a guy falls in love with the city or whatever. Um, so I'm just going to – I'm on a cap geek right now, so I'm just going to – they're very good at keeping track of uh, contracts and all that good stuff. So we're going to go through uh, – I'll tell you a UFA or RFA and if they stay or if they go. And if they stay, give me a figurative contract. Okay. So off the top of your head, we haven't really talked about this, so take your time. Okay. Derek Roy made $4 million UFA. Gone. Okay, I agree. Um, doesn't know why he played today. I think Cracknell should have still been in. Uh, you know what? I think he played because in a game like this, you need some goals. You need experienced goal scoring. And, and, and Cracknell's effort may be better than Derek Roy, but I trust Derek Roy in front of the net with the puck much more than I trust Adam Cracknell. Okay, I agree, but uh, I didn't. I didn't know Derek Roy played today until they mentioned his name when we were watching the second period. I'm like, oh, he actually has a shift so far. Yeah. No, I dude, I get it. I, I get know. it. I know. So Patrick Bergwijn made three point. Well, at least I've been doing cap hits here, so actual dollars could be different. But cap hit was three point two five in this past season. He is an RFA, meaning so we can do another bridge contract type thing, or I don't his think, rights will have to be traded. I don't think that Berglund is going to accept another bridge contract. Nope. Um, my gut says that there's some sort of a sign and trade. It could be. Um, I wouldn't mind packaging him somewhere. I think he's the one guy I think that's time to. Say, it would be hey. interesting to see who else is around that needs to move that the Blues could use. So, um, Steve Ott uh, made 2.95, <sighs> UFA. 
my gut says he's gone. Right. I'm I I would love to see him stay. I think he's a great guy for this team. Mm-hmm. And maybe he did fall in love with this team, but I think that the early exit, I don't think he had enough time to get invested. I think the dude goes back to Buffalo. I'm going with Steve Ott resigns with the Blues for two years, 2.5 per. Okay. As he will be a guy that can move up and down the lineup like a Savoka type guy. Put him on the fourth line. You can put him up on the first line for a little bit if you have to. But he'll be the guy that moves all around. Uh, and also, he, had a, he did have a no. I believe he had, he had a no trade. He had to wave to come bring come here too, which yeah. I thought was interesting. Uh, Brendan Morrow, one point five million UFA gone. Um, I want to agree. I liked what he brought. And, I um, think I think we missed him more than you could imagine the last couple of games in this. Which series. I was very surprised on that. I kind of thought when he's out, I'm like, okay, well. That sucks, but okay, we can overcome that. That loss. dude, you know, and you know what's sad is he's a guy who was brought in for the playoffs. Yep, and made two and games. He and we made, won those two games. Yeah, and you know, he his intangibles again. He reminds me of a more highly skilled Steve Ott. Um, he's he, didn't, he didn't get much interest at the like it was like a last not a last minute, but pretty much it was a last minute deal. Um. I'm not convinced the dude plays hockey next year. Yep. So who knows? Because uh, he was at times, you know, he looked a little slow and tired. So yeah. Uh, let's see. An RFA of Vladimir Saboka made 1.3 million last year. He'll stay. Stay. They'll resign him bridge, for bridge 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 contract. Um, it'll be a little bit of bump in money, maybe a two two year deal. I'll go with just the trend. I'll go with a – he'll get a Steen S contract from not a new one, but is like he had before. Right. I'm going with three years, 10 mil, 3.3 per. Okay. Steen made 3.3625 um, this year, so around that mark is what I'm thinking. Uh, let's see. Nope, 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 nope. Jaden Schwartz is an RFA. He made 830000 He'll stay. It'll be a bridge. They'll, for sure, that's his yeah, first contract. It'll be a bridge contract. They'll throw him some money. He's not going anywhere. Um, probably about, probably double his money. Probably about two mil or so. Yeah, the the Blues will will sign him. Okay, uh, the next one is Keith Acoin. Who? Yeah, yeah. So he'll probably he's one of those guys that's probably gonna be gone. Um, Adam Cracknell made six hundred thousand dollars UFA. If they sign him, it's a two way deal. Uh, this year was a one way. So just let you know. Now, didn't he get put on waivers earlier this year? Correct, and nobody picked him up. Okay. Um, I, I if they if they sign him, I think it's a two way deal because I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to sign him and healthy scratch him every game, and I don't think he wants that either. Um, I don't know, man. Maybe it. A lot of it gets determined because we're kind of working backwards right now from low priorities to high priorities um, on how much money is left. Um, If everything from the top down works out and we finally get to Cracknell. You got to think the Derek Roy money is going to be used for the Saboka and Schwartz bumps. So that yep. that that four million dollars, as everybody said, oh, we got four million dollars there. Now that that's going to be split between those two. Correct. I Smoke would imagine will go up to one point three to three point three. The then, morrow money is going to be used for Ott. 
Yeah, I mean, Ott, Ott makes 2.9 now, so he figured he gets about this, I would say 2.5 is what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I mean, he'll maybe drop down a little bit, but then that gives you 1.9 left over there. Uh, and then it leaves you whatever you want with Cracknell. And then if you want, he's going to be your extra forward type guy. He figured the Askins going to jump in next year. And that's my point. Is like we, uh, and that's a whole other topic. But at some point, the Askin makes the jump. Yep. So, and if he makes the jump, you don't need Adam Crack. He'll give uh, every opportunity to make the team next year. I think. I agree. Uh, our top six is set for next year. Believe it or not, uh, Bowmeister, Petrangelo signed long term. Shattenkirk is signed for next three seasons beyond this. Yep. Jackman's got Jackman's got left. one year one left. More. Next year is uh, his last one at three point one six. Okay. Uh, Roman Polak's got a couple years left at two point seven five. Uh, the only person that is actually going to be close to um, UFA would be Leopold and Jackman. Both have no trade clauses, so that basically top six is set. Our blue, yeah, our blue line set. And, um, uh, uh, excuse me, Ian Cole is still signed for eight hundred twenty-five thousand. He's fine. He'll be uh, he'll be our he'll be our seven, and then Cole Iacobo is UFA. I'm just saying. No, I'm saying he'll be the they'll start to trust their. Uh, Guys in the Chicago Wolves, I think. I agree. The only reason Koliako was brought in this year is because everybody started getting hurt. Yep. And then they just didn't want to gut Chicago, and they didn't really trust to bring those guys up, give them significant minutes at the time. Yep. So as of next year. And that brings up the big one then. Yep. So the last two, both are UFAs, be Ryan Miller and Brian Elliott. So Elliott is all but gone. Um, yeah, I agree. That. I agree. Simple as that. Uh, the priority for the Blues in all season is going to be Ryan Miller. Uh, Here's my thought on Ryan Miller. Uh, and I think I may have actually said this before on the podcast. I think Ryan Miller comes back to the St. Louis Blues. I think the only thing that prevents him from re-signing is if Anaheim makes a play and clears up space and contract room and makes an offer for him to play in Anaheim. And I think that the only reason that that trumps St. Louis is it lets him go to a team that's equally as talented as the Blues, and it lets him live in Los Angeles with his wife. Yep. Um, right now, just to give you a little perspective on that, Anaheim has uh, the 20th highest payroll. Yeah. So they have a lot of cap room, uh, just to give you a quick rundown. Just, yep. uh, they just, But they also have, like, what, five goalies? Uh, three. So um, they have, they'll have Frederick Anderson and John Gibson. Uh, Hiller will be a UFA. Right now, they have forty-eight million dollars can uh, for next year to nineteen players. Okay, so um, so I mean, it's it is very feasible that Anaheim can make a run at Ryan Miller, and if they do, I don't know if there's anything the Blues could do to stop to to stop him from signing. I don't. I mean, I think that he would even be willing to take a little bit less. And be home. I mean, he just seems like that type of guy that I don't think he's chasing the big money. I mean, he wants to get paid, but I don't think he's going to necessarily go to the highest bidder. I think if St. Louis came in and said, yo, uh, six years, you know, five years at six million per, and Anaheim came in and said, same years, but 4.5, I think the dude takes the 4.5. And goes to Los Angeles and lives with his wife. I think he's that kind of a family guy. Yep, I think he is too. So um, uh, I saw a lot of that on Twitter when after the goals start going in, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, his head's already in Anaheim. He's already packed his bags for Anaheim." See, and that's such bullshit, man. Like, look, 
I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna speak directly to Joe hockey fan right now, who's a fan of the St. Louis Blues. I get it, buddy. We haven't had a superstar goaltender in forever. The last two we had were Curtis Joseph, who was great for 82 games and would forget how to play hockey in the playoffs, and Grant Fuhrer, who was 192 years old. <laughs> I get it. And in between those two, we've had a bunch of hype. We've had Patrick Laleem. We've had Yarrow Halak, who was good. He was good, but he was, you know, the hype of the year that he stood on his head in the playoffs in Montreal. And we've had a bunch of those guys in between. Ryan Miller, whether you want to admit it or not, is a top five goaltender in this league. I would bet you right now that almost any team in the playoffs would trade their starting goaltender for Ryan Miller, including the Chicago Blackhawks. All right. I think so. Most teams. I don't say most teams, yeah. You need to understand something when it comes to being a goaltender. You're going to give up goals. And just like anyone else in the world, you're going to let a soft one through every once in a while. You're just going to. Now, that I, I think personally that wound has been salted many times for Blues fans because of what has happened the last three years in the playoffs. Yep. When you look at Brian Elliott last year against the Kings, giving up a goal with one second left. When you look at all the injuries that Yaroslav Halak had. When you look at us getting swept out of the playoffs when we had Chris Mason, you know when that dude could not keep his legs closed and everything went through five hole. I get it. Now, whether you thought that Ryan Miller was supposed to be goaltender Jesus and not let a single goal through, or whether you understood the type of goaltender that Ryan Miller is, I don't know. Now, I don't know if you remember or not that last month when he shut out Philadelphia here in a shootout game, it was his first shutout in two years. So Ryan Miller is not a shootout or not a shutout goalie. He's not. In fact, it's part of the reason why Buffalo created the term the Ryan Miller shutout and we picked it up. Mm-hmm. Ryan Miller will make you amazing saves and he will make you the saves that 98% of the goalies in this league can't make you. At opportune times. He has the ability to immediately forget about whatever mistake he just made. Which is what you want from a goalie. You don't want a goalie that gets stuck in his own head. If you can't figure that out. And you want to run Ryan Miller out of town. Because we just lost to the Chicago Blackhawks. Then you need to grab a hockey encyclopedia and beat yourself about the head and ass with it for a good half hour. And when you're done, I then want you to open it up to goaltending. And I want you to read about goaltending and how it works 
and all the goaltenders in history. And I guarantee you there is not a single goalie on that list who doesn't have at least two or three playoff series where they just weren't quite up to snuff. Now, does it suck that this was his first series with us? You're fucking A right it does. But I'm telling you, I am telling you, Ryan Miller is the goaltender that the Blues need. He just is. You sign him for four years, maybe five years, you let Jake Allen learn from him. Mm-hmm. And then when Ryan Miller is ready to ride off into the sunset, you have Jake Allen as your number one, or maybe sooner. I don't know, but you let Jake Allen learn under a goaltender like Ryan Miller, everything's going to be okay. I don't I don't want to say this because it makes us sound like Cubs fans, but just wait till next season. Mm. Um Yeah, I, I know, man. Like that's part of my thing too. I'm trying to like look for the positive in this. But it's hard, it, man. It is hard. I mean, this is just the beginning too. You gotta look at it too, man. Like um Chicago was very fortunate just how things happened with the two thousand ten and how it just like sure. that was the beginning of their thing and it just like they just had the right players and just the right mix and well and look what well, happened. And just any other team that you look like built up, like L.A., for example, um, when they won the Cup, that was years in the making of drafting. Absolutely. Like, then they hit rock bottom after they got rid of Gretzky, and that was a fire sale there. And after the whole, like, their goal was Jamie Storr, for God's sakes. Yeah. And they had a bunch of guys in and out of there. They had, they thought the Blues had issues. Like, you look at L.A., man. I know. They're just they just had as bad issues trying to have a consistency over there. They were bringing in any kind of old score. They had to go get they had Zygmunt Pulfy for God's sakes. Yeah, if you remember that guy, I do. You know, like I mean, they tried anybody over there, and then well, finally they you know. But the thing is, the one time they went for it when they went and made the two big trades and got the guys from drunk. Uh, they made it. They're from what I said, Drunk Island. That's not it. But I was thinking Dry, Dry Island. Island. Yeah, they, and they and, won the cup. It, it worked. And that's I think that's the frustrating thing about me, man. It's like you're right. It's like we got the Ryan Miller thing. And I think that's why I was like. Completely invested. Not like he was going to be the savior, but we finally were that team that made that move. Like, we were that team that got out. Like, that was the number one target out there, and we got that guy. Yep. So that was like... I get it, and that's the disappointment. And that's what the disappointment is for me. It's just like, you've, like, all the pieces are in place. You've drafted. You've sucked ass for so many years, like, after the uh, thing. You had to deal with bringing in guys like... uh, uh, Mike Lumack, for God's sakes, and yep. crappers like that. Well, and then uh, you wind up, you're finally at that point where you're ready to make that run, and it just seems like it's that one step forward. You get in the playoffs, or you get number one seed, or you do this, or you you know most points in history, and then it's like one four step forward, and then like two, two steps, steps back. back, and it's like, and then here we are again, man. It's just like, and like I'm, I mean, I put the stuff on Twitter, and I'm like, and then just so much crap gets thrown our way, and it's like. And then we try firing back. It's like, well, you know, my cup ring's too loud. I can't hear you. And it's like, yeah. I get it, man. It's like, I have no comeback. After that, I just I shut it down. It's like, I'm tired of it, man. Like, to the point where something needs to be done around, like, the culture. Like, Tom Stillman's done a hell of a job so far, turning this franchise and around. And that's, that's the key, is if you look at the fact, this is Stillman's second year with the team. Yep. Uh, as majority owner. Yes. Um, look, at, look at what happened with Chicago. When when Wurtz was in control of this team, he came out and straight up said, we are not in the business to compete for a Stanley Cup. I don't care. He didn't. The Chicago Blackhawks 
were a loss leader for him because he had Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. It wasn't until that team changed hands and got owners who cared about the team, who were invested in the team, who wanted to make this team a winning franchise, that the Blackhawks started to turn around. We're at that point now, talent-wise, where we can compete. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree that you need to change the culture. I think the first part of changing culture is stabilizing ownership. And that's done. You know, I don't think that this team now needs to worry about who's signing my paycheck next year. Yeah. You know, Stillman and that group, I don't think this is a flash in the pan. Let's buy the team, Turn hold on to it years. for three year, three to five years and flip it. Yeah. This is These are hockey fans who want to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Um, most of the, I think most of the group that bought the team is from St. Louis yeah. and our Blues fans. I'm yeah. Like hockey fans. They're like St. So Louis Blues fans. You've so got, that's positive. Yeah. You've got stable ownership now. You've got a GM who makes the right moves. You know, and who decides this is what we're going to do and goes out and does it. So, you know, that's the bright side if there is a silver lining to this is we've, we continue to take steps forward big picture. It just sucks when we now sit here a calendar year later from where we were and we're bitching about the same things. Yeah. We're bitching about being up 2-0 in a series and looking great on home ice and then shitting the bed the next four games. Yep. So, uh, like we said, we went through all the guys. Um, hopefully, I think we're both hopeful that Miller resigns. Um, I at, hope so. At, at a relatively good cost. Um, just to the point I don't expect that to be a quick process, by the way. Oh, I'm not even saying I'm saying it might go past the draft. It'll definitely go past the draft. I, th- I fully expect him to say, hey, I just want to see what's out there. There's going to be a lot out there for him. Um, I think contender-wise, it's between us, I want to say Minnesota, and yeah. Anaheim. I say those are the three that's going to go after him. I, I agree. I And I would put Minnesota at the bottom of that list. Correct. I'm just saying teams I think that are... Yeah, I think those unquote, are the teams that are going to make runs for him. Quote-unquote uh, contenders. Like I, I would fully expect the Islanders to go after him. Yeah, and he's, he's going to say going no. Um, Buffalo is probably not going to go back after him. Um, no. Like Florida's got the long enough, so nothing. I'm just yep. saying, like bottom tier teams, like any bottom tier team, I think he's enough of a competitor that he's not going to be like, uh, no, like yeah, he wants to go and win a cup now. He wants to win a cup and also be as close to home as possible. I agree, and so that's you I, know, I no, question is which order is it? It's the truth. That's the thing is you don't know. You don't know um, if it's be closer to home. Then win a cup or win a cup. And, and that is home. why, ladies and gentlemen, we need to be cheering for the Dallas Stars. Yep. Because if uh, Anaheim is out early, um, or is it the opposite? Do you think if Anaheim goes far with the goaltending they have, they might sit pat with their goaltending and say, mm, we don't No, I, I think that regardless of what happens with them, I think they, they go after Miller. They have Look at what Chicago did. Chicago won a cup and then ran anti Niemi out of town. Yeah. Along with. Lad, yeah, uh, Buffalo. Bufflin. I mean, look at that. I mean, imagine if they were able to resign those guys. I know. Like, who knows if how we would have been in that series? Did they actually? Yeah, I mean, as much as I don't like Buffalo, and he's still not bad. Yep, uh, Lad, you know, Lad has turned into a really good player in Winnipeg. Yeah, so, and mean, that's why I think that regardless of what the Ducks do, they make a run for him. And I think that the Ducks need to go out early 
So, you know, let's say the Ducks go to the conference finals. Okay. You know, the Ducks can then make the pitch to him. Well, dude, you can you can live close to your wife, and we're a better team than St. Louis. I mean, we made it to the conference finals. Correct. I agree with that. Um, let's see what they do in the offseason. I think they have a very important offseason, too. Um, Timus Lani is going to be gone. Yep, he was healthy gone. scratch one game, though, so, you know. Yep. Um, Saku Koivu, I think, is pretty much gone. Yep. Uh, so after that, you got Poirier and Getzlaff. I mean, you don't have much. Uh, no, and I, I'm not familiar enough with their prospects to know what they have down on the farm. Um, they have, apparently they're ranked pretty high in the top five. Okay, I looked that up too. Um, they have a lot of Emerson Needham is one of their guys they talk about a lot. Uh, Nick Bonino is another guy, um, and the goaltending is a real strength though. Anderson Gibson, they're kind of turning into the LA team. LA teams that just all of a sudden they had a goalie that steps up and is huge. Gibson is one guy. It was the first round that I really wanted the Blues to take. Um, but I understood why they didn't, just because we had good at the time, good goaltending yeah. that year. It was the year after this year they won the Jennings, and he was available. Right. So uh, I'm just going to run through a couple of uh, UFAs out there, uh, okay. and see kind of what around the league. Yes, okay. um, just the top UFAs uh, by according to uh, CapGeek.com, which is a very informative website. I highly suggest anybody uh, get on that. Uh, CapGeek and ExtraSkater.com are two that I easily reference a lot. Okay, so. Thomas Vanek. I'll go. I do. How about I do this? I'll tell you guys' name, stat line, and then kind of see which. And I'll tell you his current salary, and then we'll go from there. Thomas Vanek, left wing, currently plays for Montreal. Seventy-eight games played, twenty-seven goals, forty-one assists, for sixty-eight points, forty-six penalty minutes, a plus seven, and total ice time per game, nineteen point three five average. And his total salary is. Right now, 5.75. I think the Blues make a run at him, or at least talk to him, but I don't think he's their top target. Yep. Um, a couple other guys. Let's go through here. Um, Paul Stastny, who is my, who I've been very much cheerleading for. Age 28 on in Colorado right now. 71 games played, 25 goals, 35 assists, 60 points. A 22 penalty minutes, plus 9, and 18 minutes a game. Uh, currently makes six point five million dollars a year. I think that is the Blues' number one. And target. he's from St. Louis. Um, he's said that he wants to play in St. Louis eventually. Yep. Um, I pretty much, from what I read, pretty much he was gone in his head going into this year. He was like, "I'm riding this year out, and I'm gonna go sign with St. Louis." Well, but Hawaz come in, Sakic has come in. Yeah. Um, turned the culture of that team around greatly, as you can see. They sure from number twenty nine to. Uh, number three in the league, yep. or three or four in the league. Um, and he's been a big part of that. So he's going to be pretty much the top UFA across the league if he makes it that far. Um, they do have a couple of guys to re-sign. Some are RFAs, some are UFAs. But uh, I think, like I said, like you said, I think that's the Blues' number one target. Yeah, I uh, I think, and I've read it as well, where he's expressed his desire to play for his hometown team. And, you know... Obviously, this is an apples to oranges comparison because they're completely different style of players. But you saw the extra energy and extra step that a player like Cam Jansen had when he played for the Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, when when the crest on your jersey is really more than just the team who's signing your checks, you know I got to imagine it is. You know I'm sure Bolig loves playing for the Blackhawks and has Stanley Cup rings, but you can't tell me that there's not part of Brandon Bolo that goes, damn, 
I wish I could play for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, I mean, I'm wrong. You'd be happy with the teammate you're at, but um, and I at the same think time. Paul Stasny, the player that he is now, if he had that extra motivation to be like, I'm playing for my home team. I get to play in front of my family. I get to live where I grew up. I get to do everything and be the hometown hero, a, a la David Freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that does mean something. And I think that obviously Colorado will want to resign him. But like you just said, there's a lot of players out there that Colorado needs to address. So I, yeah, I agree. I just, at the end of the day, I think you, this offseason needs to be about skill, not acquiring grit. I agree. So I, and I, that is the one thing that I think we take away from this Colorado series is we need to get faster. Chicago series, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. The, Colorado, uh, the Chicago series is yeah. you need to get faster. So, um, Jerome Aginla, no, I think it's past his prime. Uh, I'm just going to top ones. One is interesting, but I think he is a product of being uh, Sidney Crosby's left winger. Is UC Jokinen, uh, 21 goals, 36 assists, uh, 15 minutes, 15 minutes of uh, time on ice. Um, I didn't, another person that does interest me because he fits the kind of not a power forward, but a kind of a guy who goes to the front of the net. Um, I played a late season trade. Uh, Matt Molson, left winger, age 30, plays in Minnesota currently. 23 goals, 28 assists, about 18 minutes of ice time. I think he's going to stay in Minnesota. I think so? Yeah. Apparently, the rumor is Thomas Vanek is uh, good friends with Jason Pomaville from their time in Buffalo. And apparently Vanek is from, I forget where he's from, but apparently he's good friends with him. And the rumor has it that he would like to go play with him again. So Dude, might could you imagine, not that it's not already, but just how stacked the Central could be next year, mm-hmm. above and beyond what it was this year? Yeah, especially if they, especially Minnesota makes some moves. I think uh, Nashville, if I'm firing Barry Trotz, I think um, they're going to be in transition this year, I think. Yeah. Um, they're going to be the – and Winnipeg, I think, is going to be – those two teams are going to be the ones that are competitive, yet we know we can take that team type teams. Uh, I expect Colorado to take a step back. I just don't think Colorado can keep up the pace they kept this year. Yep, I think they're – And I uh, think Dallas will be Dallas. I think the Stars will be the fringe playoff team again. I think um, – Colorado will, as much as good as they're playing, I give them props for what they've done this year. I'd see them as a fringe playoff team again this year. Yep. Or they'll be like the number uh, three team on our division. I agree. Um, yeah, so that's just Will's quick thoughts. I'm just going down the line. The next top center is David Leguand, 33 years old, plays for Detroit currently, 14 goals, 37 assists, minus 17, six, 17 minutes of time on I mean... Ice. Uh, that's one of those guys where that's a grit. That's a grit over skill. Yeah, guy. and you know, I you hear the term used all the time. Well, he's a blues hockey player. He's a blues hockey player. Yeah, we need to start changing what that means because because blues fans love fourth liners. Yep, and you know there was a guy after the game on Friday or after the game on Thursday posted uh, a screenshot of the stat where the blues out hit the Blackhawks like 50 to 22. And he goes, well, that's a win in my book. And I was like, and that's the problem. Yep. That's you are far more concerned about beating the hell out of people than scoring goals and scoring goals is the only stat that matters. You either do it or you don't. And I guess the last kind of target, and I guess not target, but I'm saying center. Cause I think it's our of need. Uh, Ole Jokinen. Oh, I hate that so guy. I think you're pretty much at Paul Stastny or bust. 
Um, yeah, and look, maybe <sighs> there could be RFAs out there, which I'm, I'm I'll try to find Stasny out. Stasny is a UFA, correct? Correct. That's why I'm just going through that list. Um, maybe we work some sort of a deal where, and I don't know if you'd want to send him within the division, but work something with Berglund and something like that. Um, I would gladly get rid of Berglund for Paul Stasny. Yep. Uh, the next, uh, sadly enough, the next top center point-wise after that is Derek Roy with 37 points. And we determined that to be a no. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to piss on, on Derek Roy. I think that he earned the $4 million. I think that the, he had flashes this year where he looked phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Chris Stewart disease. Yeah, but, you know, again, this is, is not the um, Derek Roy from five years ago in Buffalo. Yep. So, you know, I don't... I, and I just got the feeling that Hitchcock kind of had his fill of him, so I don't expect him to be back. There's a lot of guys that interest me, just looking at the list. Um, Dustin Penner will be out there. Some guy, I think. Blues killer. I think he's a playoff dude, man. He might not be good in the, you know, but he's been proven to be a good playoff guy. So I like him. Uh, who knows? That could be like a Brendan Morrow type replacement guy. A little bit younger. May get him on a low contract. He signed late this year, too, for only $2 million. So you never know. But um, so I put a question out on Twitter. Just asked that said that we were recording. We're not happy people, so why don't you throw us some questions so we can, you know, maybe talk talk us down from the ledge. And we have about a handful of uh, responses. All right, so let's, let's go, go through with them. them. So I will go with the first one. And I apologize for the name because uh, I tried my best. So Eric Eckenkrantz. I hope I got that right. So I apologize. Not hit us on Twitter. I said we were not happy, and he said burn them all. Mm, not the uh, <laughs> best you want to hear, but uh, I hear you on that one. Not happy either. Now we're going with a uh, Gilo Wilco. Okay. At Gilo Wilco, what's needed tweaking or rebuilding? Tarasenko and Schwartz apart. The top six were poor throughout the series. I think we sort of addressed that, but you can go back through. Um, you know, I think that Tarasenko was. Hands down, the best player on the Blues this series. Hands down. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as top six forwards go. Um, dude, it's hard to shit on David Backus. Yeah. You know, yeah, he looked good the first two games, but dude, he got rocked. Yeah, and it's not like he didn't come back and play tough as nails. Uh, Oshie played fine. He turned it up a little bit. You know, he missed game one, game two, and three, whatever, but games four, five, six, he looked great. Steen, I, I don't know. I don't know how you go from a guy who's got 25 goals at the Olympic break to a guy in the playoffs who's scared to shoot the puck. Yep. And that's what it seemed like. There were so many times where he had a lane and would pull up, and you'd think he's pulling up to shoot, and then would pass back to the point or pass behind the net. Or across the ice. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. Sabotka, um, you know, I think he's your second line center by default. Uh, the guy's scrappy, but made a lot of questionable plays. And I think a lot of that is because, you know, he's a smaller guy. And Schwartz, I think, had some good moments, but also. There were times where I wanted to reach to my TV and beat the piss out of him. 
Um, you know, if he blindly behind the back passed the puck to either nobody or to the Blackhawks one more time or would try to do the same shit to clear the puck and clear it right to the point for Chicago, I was going to lose my mind. Yep. Um, I think what needs to be tweaked is more a approach to how this team attacks the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're obviously not a bad offense. You don't get as many points as we did throughout the course of the year by being a, a bad or predictable offense. But it sure seemed like we only had one power play play and one offensive zone play the entire playoffs. Yeah. And if they didn't work, we were just going to keep trying to do them until, by God, they worked. Question, is it a time to address the assistant coach position? Yeah, since, I, th- I, I think they, so. Since they have had the same I mean, I think you have to. from the previous regime. regime. I, I think that you you got to do something. Because, yeah. you know, dude, two for 28. I can't say that stat enough. Two for 28. Today, zero for six. Total of two for 29, by the way. 29? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we must have had another one after we went downstairs. Yeah. So, if this power play was even marginally... Double better. Two more goals. Think about it. Two more goals, like I say, minus this game, you didn't get a goal. Let's just say two more goals throughout the series. That's game five winner, possibly. Yep. Or, or a game know, four a game, winner. Or, you know, or game three, you could have tied it. And look, and that's, and that's it right there. Like, if you want to put your finger on why the Blues didn't beat the Blackhawks, it's the power play. Mm-hmm. It's not Ryan Miller. It's not any one person. It's the power play. And that's something that, and just like last year, the power play came out cooking and then just shit the bed and never recovered. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about this team that they can't figure out how to score on a power play. But it shouldn't be that hard. Mm -hmm. The man advantage is a literal thing, not figurative. You really actually have one more guy on the ice than the other team. But you would never know it the way the Blues play on the power play. Yep. So it looks like that. Uh, that right there, honestly, more than anybody on the top six, that's what needs to be tweaked. Yep. So who knows what kind of changes are going to come there for like, rebuilding or tweaking? Um, I think it should look into at least assistant coaching. I agree. I think Bradshaw's done a real good job with the defense, but I think the offensive side has zero to very little creativity. I 100% agree. And part of me thinks it is on the player side, but all part of me is like a so system-based that the players are so You can tell it's system-based. That the players have to be in certain places that they won't make that, they won't press for the puck at a certain point. So. Do you know what I noticed on the power play that seemed to be the biggest difference between the Blues power play and the Hawks power play? If you go back and watch, especially on the wings, um, and I noticed it a lot today, when Chicago would pass from the puck to the half board, as soon as the Blues players would back off, the Hawks would skate in and press forward. And it was to continue, if you're going to back off, I'm taking that real estate. 
And if you back off again, I'm taking that real estate. And they would back the blues in to a circle right in front of Ryan Miller. Yep. The blues don't do that. The blues don't pressure. The blues they don't. Cycle. They cycle along. All they do is cycle yeah. and pass from point to point. Um, th- yeah, I agree. I think that it, it's time to address your assistant coaches from an offensive standpoint. Okay. Move on to uh, next one. We get a couple more rolling in here from uh, Connor Showalter. Uh, we need a top center. We aren't going to become a different team without one. We have no great crop prospects. Win now or nothing. Um, we have a top center in David Backus. Um, you know, I I posted something on one of the Facebook Blues fan communities yesterday. Um, there was someone posted a video of Backus uh, chirping at a guy that he, I guess he had just fought with in the penalty box. Um, there are two types of of people when it comes to uh, hockey players and centers and captains and whatnot: uh, scorers and leaders. And while while David Backus may never score as many goals as a Patrick Kane or a Jonathan Taze or a Sidney Crosby or an Ovechkin, um, when's the last time you've seen one of those dudes go after someone who's taken a shot at somebody on their team? Yeah. Um, I like David Backus as our number one center because it allows our more skilled wings with TJ Oshie and and Alex Steen the room to shoot and score. You know, you put Backus's ass right in front of the goal and let him screen the goalie, look for a dirty rebound, stuff one in that way. You let your wingers fly. Um, I think that we need a top two center, and I think that is where someone like Stasny comes in. Yeah. So we've got two more here, and then from Eric Eckenkrantz again. Uh, he said, uh, basically, for, I guess, changes that need to be made. Sure. He said, goodbye, Jackman. He said, yes, it is time. Shattenkirk, uh, Roy, Ott, and Miller. Um, Shattenkirk did not have a good series. And I think that's a frustration in the last two years. He really hasn't had yeah. a good Yeah. Um, the guy had a bad series. There's no hiding that. He's a top four defenseman. He's going to be a core of this team for a long time. Yeah, hence his contract last year. Yeah, so. Jackman, you know, I'm not the world's biggest Jackman fan, and I'll rip him up and down. The dude played solid this series. Yeah, if anybody's mad um, about that, once again, you don't know what you're watching. Cause you know, he made a couple of games. ill-advised passes, but who on that defensive unit didn't? Yeah. Petro? Uh, Bo Meester, Shattenkirk, Polak, Leopold, they all did. You know, no one on that defensive course without fault on making a couple of stupid passes or taking a bad penalty. Um, I think our blue line is, is strong. And as I would put our blue line top to bottom against any other blue line in the NHL. Yep. I think our defense is strong and your foundation. Um, so. as far as the forwards, you mentioned Roy and Ott. Yeah. Roy's gone. Um, I would like to see Ott stay. I don't think he will. The problem that I have is, and I'm assuming you're saying Ott needs to go because he didn't score a goal. And I think this is the trap that a lot of Blues fans fall into, is they see that we essentially sent Chris Stewart to Buffalo for Steve Ott. Mm -hmm. Um, Chris Stewart will score you a goal 
or four in a week, and then you won't hear from him for three months. Correct. Um, the things that Steve Ott did in this series, aside from getting a couple of really key assists, both the game-winning assist in game one, the game-tying assist in game four, um, he really, really was a pretty damn good defensive forward in this series, mm-hmm. both on the penalty kill and five-on-five, four-on-four situations. Um, he's not going to be a 20-goal scorer. He's just not. He's not that guy. Okay. Uh, but Steve Ott is very much like David Backus in regards to nobody in the league likes him until he's on your team. Correct. I would love to see Steve Ott stay. I just don't think he will. Uh, Ryan Miller, again, you know, just rewind this podcast about 30 minutes and listen to my my thing on why Ryan Miller is the right goalie. I get it. Nerves are raw. Everyone wants to point fingers at the guy whose job it is to keep the puck out of the net. But this wasn't a Ryan Miller failure. This was a team failure. And this was a lot of mistakes in front of Ryan Miller. This was a lot of not clearing the puck. A lot of the same frustrations we as Blues fans have had for years, regardless of if it was Ryan Miller, Brian Elliott, Yaroslav Halak, Chris Mason, Legacy, mm. whoever. Yeah. A lot of crap. So, last one from Arctic Trader. Blues fans tend to blame Miller, but truth is, lack of scoring plus weak power play eliminated them. What changes do they need? Um, kind of said, but I think he kind of echoed kind of what we... Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, the power play was fucking anemic. It, I mean, there's there's no other way to to describe it like just two for 29 two for 29 jason you and i could go find three homeless people under the bridge downtown and we could probably field a unit that could score more than two for 29 on the power play correct yeah the um I think at the end of the day, once again, we're going back to kind of what happened last year with the King series, this lack of scoring. Um, it was better this year. It was, it was better. And, and that's when you're, when you're losing games four to three in overtime, it's not a lack of scoring. It's, it's not like last year versus the Kings were the first team to two goals or the first team to three goals won. Um, the Blues were filling the net. You know, we got shut out once. Uh, we got held to one goal today. But, I mean, the other games of these series, we won two, and the other two we lost in overtime. So, you know, it's not like we weren't getting our fair share of scoring. What we need to do is learn how to finish. Um, There were multiple times, and there there were two shots in game five that looked worse than they were. The first was the TJ Oshie, what appeared to be an open net, where Crawford just came over and made a remarkable well save played. and just got the tip of the stick, phrasing, on the puck and, and stopped the goal. And the other one was Tarasenko, where if you watch the replay, he really didn't have a strong look at the puck. Duncan Keith had control of that puck. And he kind of whacked at it. Yeah, and, and Tarasenko whacked at it, and that popped it up in the air. Um, but... 
we need to get out of this funk that every goal needs to be shiny and highlight real worthy. You know, you saw again today, the Blues are at their best when they just funnel pucks to the net. You know, when they are throwing multiple shots from multiple angles on goal and they can get a rebound and stuff it in. Mm. You know, we do have the players that can rifle one and it looks pretty when you look at players like Steen, Oshie, Tarasenko. Um, But this team is not the Pittsburgh Penguins. We are not the Chicago Blackhawks. We're not... um, we're not Tampa Bay. We're not Washington. We don't have that sniper. We don't have that guy who you know, if he gets the puck in between the dots, he's lacing it, you know, top shelf. Yeah. Um, now, Tarasenko could turn into that guy. I mean, he's shown the ability to do so, but he's not that guy yet. Um I think what needs to change is our offensive strategy, and that goes to back to what you and I were talking, that I think maybe we need to address our assistant coaches and figure out uh, a new way to um, make this team more potent with what we have. Because we have weapons. We have the weapons. We just need to figure out a new way to use them and, and use them to their optimum ability. Yep, so... Blues season ends on disappointment, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's about it. Uh, hopefully, just you know, like I said, hopefully it's just the beginning. It's just like you get eventually all of these that close. Like we're getting there, we're getting there, and eventually it's that one year. Maybe it's that one time where we just don't finish that well, and then all of a sudden, like we just go like gangbusters and just like win. Well, instead of being like the team that's been talked about, talked about, talked about, and then nothing. I think that hurts this team. Yeah, so I, I, I think the press hurts this team. Uh, I noticed it the last couple of years is this team seems to put a handful of wins together, uh, and then they'll start believing their own hype. And then they get smoked. And, and they get smoked. Do you think, uh, as uh, Bernie Nicholas likes to say, he thinks that, uh, that the Blues are treated like rock stars in St. Louis for no reason? Certain players like Oshi, Berglund, um, Petrangelo, etc. When they really haven't won anything ever. Which no, is- you're right. From that standpoint, Bernie's absolutely correct. Um, I think the reason that these guys are treated like rock stars is because of the desire of the fan base. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what keeps players coming to St. Louis. Um, you know, for a team that's been around 47 years, we don't have a ton of banners in our rafters. Yep. Um, we're the last of the first expansion now without a Stanley Cup. Except for the California Golden Seals. Who became the North Stars. Did they? Yes. No, North Stars were... No, they year. were merged after two years. Oh, they merged? Okay. Yeah. So technically... Um, so technically, they have one too. Um, you know, there is the eternal hope for a Stanley Cup in this city, as there should be. Um, we, I, I was accused earlier this week of being bipolar when it comes to the Blues in the playoffs, and it's very true. Mm-hmm. I take every loss like it's a death in the family and every win like it's an engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that 
a lot of the fans in this city do. And, you know, I don't think they're treated like rock stars for no reason. I think they are treated like family. And I think that you want your children to grow and to learn and mature. Um, you know, there's there's obviously growing pains along the way. And I think we are long past calling this team young. And we are well past talking about, well, they just need experience. They've got it now. Mm-hmm. Three years in the playoffs. They've won a series, so they know what it takes to win a series. They beat the Sharks. Um, they've now tasted bitter defeat the same way two years in a row. Um, at some point, you have to stand up on your own two feet. And I think that's what this team has to do. Um, this team, as long as they let me let me back up to a, a, a bigger point. This city loves winners. They love the Cardinals. The Cardinals are probably the only team in St. Louis that can survive long droughts of winning. And that would still draw three million. And still draw three million a year. Yeah. You've seen in the past with um, the Rams, and in the not too distant past with the Blues, that when this team doesn't perform, the people don't come. Yes, as I well know. I worked on um, the year after the lockout. You know, uh, you saw a bit of a dip this year in attendance, and I think that was due to the increase in prices. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't a bad increase. It was, you know, it was on par with what was happening. The city wants an NHL Stanley Cup. It's the only major sports title this city has not won. We have an NBA championship from 1976, I believe. Yeah, the, Haw- the, the uh, Hawks. Hawks yeah. We have a Super Bowl. We have 11 Major League Baseball World Series championships. The closest we came was our first three years in the NHL. And didn't win a game. When we went to the finals three times and got swept three times. And we've never been back. Um, it is the unicorn that this city has been chasing for 47 years. When you look at the names that have played for the St. Louis Blues, you know, just in the last, we won't even go back 47 years. We'll go back 20 years. Mm-hmm. When you look at Brett Hall, Wayne, Brendan Shanahan, Wayne Curtis Joseph, Wayne Gretzky, Al McGinnis, Chris Pronger, Grant Fuhrer, um, Keith Kachuk, Keith Kachuk Doug Pavel Dimitra, Doug Waits, uh, uh, um, Bill Guerin. Yeah, I mean, guys who have won multiple Stanley Cups. Or have had success in many different... Andy McDonald. Yeah, who have had know. like international success. Yeah, have had success guys who have, NHL, guys who have either won Cups pre or post their St. Louis tenure. And you just sit back and you you always feel like... And this is a very girly analogy so i I apologize but you you get to that feeling of always a bridesmaid and never a bride Mm -hmm. um and that is the source of the frustration it has nothing to do with the players on the current roster it has nothing to do with who your opponent is be it the blackhawks or whoever it is the horrible cycle 
that is the history of this team and snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. And to bring this thing full circle to what we talked about in the first five minutes, this was the first team in a long time that you really felt had the chance mm-hmm. and and had all the pieces together to make a run and end the drought. Um, and it didn't happen. And it sucks. But I'll tell you something. Sun's going to go down tonight. Sun's going to come up tomorrow. And somebody's going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Uh, Maybe Chicago again. It may be, you know, Anaheim. It may be Pittsburgh. It may be, it may be Boston. Boston. It may be, you know, one of these blessed cities that seems to win a championship every other year. Like, man, look at Boston. Like, as much as I hate to say it, like, I envy that city on a lot of fronts, man, because they have the Red Sox who just perpetually won. They've to won. Be, they're they've the first team. They're the first team to three uh, World Series in the 2000s. Yeah. So, I mean, they're having a good run right now. Yep. Um, you have the Patriots, the Patriots who have won five have, Super Bowls. Patriots who had, game. like, a very good run in the last 10, 15 years. You have the Celtics. Uh, then they had the Celtics who had a very good run for a while there. They won one championship. Yep. I mean, and you've got the Boston Bruins who won one three years ago. Yes, and then they just went last year. They yeah, didn't win it. But I mean, it's just one of those things where, yeah. man, it just it and like I, it's a thing that I know the ABS are using this little hashtag or slogan. It's like, why not us? But dude, I know it's just like us, man. It's just like it feels like you got all. I mean, it's one of those things where maybe you're jumping the gun as a fan just because you're so excited, but it just feels like you have all the pieces, and it's just like. Then as things go on, you realize, well, maybe we don't. Like we're talking, like now we don't have that number two center. We don't have enough scoring. Well, it's like, man, when we are clicking beginning of the year or mid year, man, we are clicking. And as we were talking about starting this podcast, we were, I was just telling you, like, man, I really want to bring it back. So just you know, they're doing so well. We can sure. you know, uh, it's something just that we just like talking about already. And it's like I just don't get why you can go from being like that. I know. And I know you talk about like this is not a it, we shouldn't bring this up because you are a paid professional athlete. Yep. Um, that injuries are a factor, uh, but a lot of teams are banged up right now. Absolutely. So, but it's like then why can't like it's just so frustrating. It. Why can't you just like just win? Just win. It, yeah. Just like it's simple as that. Just like there's nothing. There's always uh, it's always something. I guess what I'm trying to say oh. there's always an issue. It's like well. Backus got knocked out, so you don't have your number one center, and then and then like nobody to step up. Well, this year I think on let's try to turn this into a positive to end the podcast. Um, the emergence of Schwartz, the emergence of Tarasenko, absolutely. I think, I think those is guys huge, is a huge step for this franchise to have uh, quote unquote go to guys. I think Tarasenko. And this was the is, first year for both of them playing in an eighty two game season, correct? Correct. Um, uh, no, last year they both were. Last but that year, was an eighty two game season. Oh yeah, so last year was a shortened season, um, but, but yes, but it was the first time that they've. Had, I think like, they more made than, like thirty games in a year. I yeah. think they made amazing strides, mm-hmm. amazing strides. I could see both of those dudes being top line someday. Um, you know, there's a lot of good to look at on this season. It's hard to see right now when you're looking at Chicago celebrating moving on, and we're the team that was you know anointed at the beginning of the season by every hockey professional in the world. And here we are again in the first round exit. Yep. It's hard to see that silver lining. There's a lot to build on in this city and a lot to build on in this team. The future is not dark. 
Yep. You know, the window for the Blues to win a Stanley Cup is just not is just opening. It's not like um let's say Vancouver for example oh, where they where they were done. within the, you know, that grasp in 2010 and then the game One 7 game and then they blew it and then ever since then it's been they've been in the news for the wrong reasons. <laughs> Correct. You know, trading two number 1 goalies for virtually nothing and just a team that is now pretty much going in rebuilding mode. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, at, at Blues fans look at it this way. I mean, as we said like they're young, but not, I'm saying not an experienced young but they're young enough where there's a lot of gaps in this tank. Yes, pretty much is what I'm saying. They're like Oshi is in his mid to late 20s. Bacchus is just hitting 30. That's yeah. like you're one of your oldest guys outside of Morrow, and uh, that's great. You know, that's like in your defense. Uh, Bo Meester, I think it's 30, yeah. 31. That's your oldest guy outside. Yeah. Of the, he pulls 33, and he's only signed for another one a year or two. So I mean, Look, a lot of your team is. In their lower mid twenties, I mean, Tarasenko was twenty two, twenty three years when old. When you I mean, look at where this team was five years ago, and you look at where they are now, it's night and day. Um, it is easy to pick apart the holes in this team now because there are so few. Where there used to be so many, it's like, where do you start? Oh my god, this team is horrible. Mm-hmm. So you have a team that is good now. So when things go wrong, it's more noticeable. You re-sign Miller. You go get a number two center, be that Paul Stasny or somebody else. You do some minor personnel tweakings. I, I really don't think you need to make a ton. You maybe do something with Berglund. Yeah. Um, I think Morrow's gone. I think Roy's gone. I would love to see Ott stay. I don't think he does. Mm. Um, I think it's either Ott or Berglund. But be you your- piece... You piece in those those supplementary pieces. You keep your core. You know, you and I both have, I have a small difference. You consider Berglund part of the core. You know, you you keep the nucleus of this team together. That's a better word. Yeah, and I think you're fine. Yeah, you know, you have now proven while while you lost the series, it is hands down the closest of any of the series have been in the first round. You have proven that you can hang with Chicago. Yep. Um, and that is part of what hurts more is, you know, yet again, we lost a big brother. Yep. Um, but you're now on par. So we build off that. We come back and we do it all over again next year. And you just put in the work, man. You put in the work. Yep. So, Blues, uh, you know, another year. So, as I was looking real quick on uh, for Colorado, just to see kind of how they look for Stastny, they have a lot of people getting massive raises next year. Um, they only have about the same amount. We have $45 million committed. Right. But um, they have three defensemen next year on uh, their roster that signed. Um, two UFAs that are there, which is Corey Sarich and Andrea Benoit. Uh, not Chris Benoit. No, but, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, there are two young guys, Stefan Elliott and a Tyson Berry, who was doing very well. They're not second. Halle Berry? No, not Halle Berry. Tyson Berry. Not dead. Just not dead. No, no, <laughs> Correct. Was having a very good year, so I expect him, and they both are FAs, so I expect them to get a nice, good uh, bridge contract. So you got raises there. A couple forwards that are due RFAs, uh, Jamie McGinn, yeah. and also Ryan O'Reilly. So. They have, and then plus they have Paul Stastny, so they don't have many forwards, so they're going to have to in their defense as well. So they're kind of though they have the goaltending locked up. We don't have goaltending locked up. I think they're going to have some tough decisions ahead, just like us. We're pretty set outside of 
trying to figure out the goaltending. Like, I think they're going to make every effort for Ryan Miller. Um, and I think they have confidence in Jake Allen, but I think they would like to have somebody with experience in there. I agree. You you cannot throw Jake Allen to the Wolves just yet. He's just not ready. No. He had a great I, NHL goal of the year, but hey. Dude, I love Jake Allen. I've said for five years since I saw that dude play in the Canada World Juniors that he's going to be the future of this team. But I think that is also why it is important to spend that money on someone like a Ryan Miller right now. Yeah, hopefully Ryan, Ryan Miller, Miller could win you a cup now and teach Jake Allen how to win you more cups later. Yep. So I figured you can get Miller for maybe three or four years. He probably wants longer, but maybe you can talk him into three years and big money. Maybe like give him that six mil, but do it for like three years. Yeah. Um, that would be nice. I think three years would be a good tutelage time. That's enough. Miller will be in I his agree. like mid thirties, and I think he can do his thing. Yep, if he's I doing agree. well, we can maybe re-sign him. If not, it can start going into a shared role after that. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, at the end of the day, things aren't all dark ahead. Uh, I think the Blues have plenty of time to get things right and move on. I think address the second line center. Yeah, get a little scoring punch in there. Uh, your depth is okay. Um, you get hopefully your draft pick this year. We'll see what happens. Um, next year, you won't get a first-rounder, so that's fine. Yeah. But uh, you get a, t- a couple seconds this year. Yep. So and hopefully that first, restock the cupboard a little bit. I would focus on getting a top-flight offensive ta- talent in the draft. Or not top-flight, but an offensive talent the best you can. I would make sure that Ty Reddy starts lifting weights immediately. Correct, and he could be—he's going to be, I think, your call-up guy next year. He's going to be the Dreamer, so. Yaskin. I think Raddy make, I think Yaskin makes the team, and Raddy's the call-up guy. Yep. So, and then he'll be the same mo of guys moving off the team, and he'll be moved up. So, yep. that's how you keep a successful team. Constantly have younger guys coming in and take those other roles. So, yep. I think we're okay, and we are almost at a two-hour mark. So we got well, made up a lot made of up, ranting, made up for last week's uh, missed one. So, thank you for everybody on the. Uh, Hit up some Twitters. Thank you for listening during the season. Me and Chris will talk about our schedule for the rest of the playoffs and such. Maybe we'll do one every other round or maybe. Sure, we can do it round by round preview. We might just wind up doing that and then maybe we'll sneak some people in in case one of our, in case your schedule is a little crazy. I know your May is absolutely. May is a little bonkers. So I, if I have to, I mean, I'll talk some people into sure. coming on the show in case you're, yeah, because I said, like you said, you're out and about. And then, uh, We'll probably do something around the draft time. Absolutely. Probably do something around uh, unrestricted free agency time, which is yes. like July 1st-ish. And then um, we'll probably take a break after that and then enjoy our summer to uh, you know get ready for next year. Then in August, we'll probably start things back up. Cranking it up. And then there'll always the be next year. whole damn thing all over again. And then come back to you with some podcast goodness. So once again, I'd like everybody for clicking the download button. Yeah, thank and, you guys uh, so listening, much. going to the website. Um, if you want to find us on Twitter, at Blues Hockey NHL. Uh, and mine is at JPM Blues Fan 21. Mine is at Hossapalooza, H O S S underscore A underscore P A L O O Z A. There you go. And also, we're on Facebook, uh, Blues Hockey Podcast. Click a like. Uh, try to be active on both. I probably need to sync those up and make it a lot easier on me. Just to be way easier on instead you. of me just going back and forth doing that constantly. But uh, so that's about it. Um, we'll go ahead and leave you for now. 
And unfortunately, another disappointing end to the Blues season. Um, there's always a next year. Indeed there is. Catch you guys later. See ya.